Welcome to Family Bible Hour, a broadcast of the Sunday morning worship services of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida. Will you take your Bibles, please, and turn to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 18 through 25 as today we see Joseph's story. Joseph's story. If you were Joseph, knowing that your son was actually the Son of God, it might cause you some hesitation in making decisions for the family. There would surely be some kind of insecurity in your role as a, a father to this child. For instance, you might wonder if you could ever teach him anything. You might wonder if you could teach him about nature or teach him about, about anything, really. Pointing out the, the Big Dipper or explaining how babies come into the world would seem useless since you were talking to God incarnate. When couples today go for a sonogram, they find out if their baby is a boy or if their baby is a girl. Well, there were no sonograms in Jesus' day, but that's all right, because Joseph knew that he was going to get to be daddy to an earthly son born to the heavenly father. Joseph had been dealing with some unsettling news that need to be settled for him. That's where we pick up in our text of Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, awoke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until they had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. We have seen thus far in this month two parts of the Christmas miracle. We have seen um, another miracle or the beginning of miracles in the birth of John the Baptist. And then last week we took a look at Mary's song, and Mary sang, though we don't know the Uh, The melody, we know that she sang a song as recorded when she visited um, her cousin Elizabeth 
and the baby that Elizabeth was carrying uh, was filled with the Holy Ghost as was the room and leapt with, uh, within the, um, the womb of Elizabeth. And so Mary sang her song, and that's what we saw last week. Today we're going to look at Joseph's story, and then next Sunday with our final Sunday before Christmas, we're going to see actually the Christmas miracle. But today it's all about Joseph's story. We're going to see three things about Joseph today, Joseph's dilemma, Joseph's dream, and Joseph's destiny. Let's begin with Joseph's dilemma. Now, before considering his dilemma, let's look at some manners and customs of the day, because the manners and customs of that day were different from the manners and customs of today. In fact, the manners and customs from my childhood are different from the manners and customs of my adult life in the world in which we live today. Today, couples who are planning to get married first get engaged to each other. That's the the manner and the custom of a couple that's to be married. There is, however, more living together today than there's ever been before. However, the custom of marriage is still typically predicated by an engagement, which means an exchange of commitment that one will marry uh, the other. Oftentimes, usually, there is an engagement ring that becomes part of the wedding set. And so, after the engagement, then comes the marriage. Well, now, in Jesus' day, an engagement, an espousal, or a betrothal was an act of engagement for marriage, but they handled it differently. Unlike it is today, it was a formal agreement. There was a formal decision made that these two are going to be married. It was a a contract, if you will, a commitment between the, the two of them, and it was binding whether it took the form of a verbal promise or a written contract between two individuals or two families. It was a binding thing that these two were going to be married. It was an ancient custom that dates back, uh, or that, that uh, ancient custom dated all the way back to, to Old Testament times, and perhaps even uh, other times of, of in different kinds of society other than, than Christian societies. And it was an arranged marriage. The two fathers typically got together, and they arranged a marriage. There are a lot of societies where that is still uh, the situation. There are a lot of societies in the world today where marriages are still arranged. It's not not a matter of of two people just just falling uh, in love. And so this was the, the beginning of a marriage, and it was considered that the betrothal uh, period was indeed the start of real marriage, and the reason was because it was legally binding in Jesus' day. It was a pledge that could not be broken except by a bill of divorcement. So back in that day, if they got a divorce, it was from being engaged to each other. 
It wasn't from being married to one another, although I'm sure that was uh, done as well. But in the case that we're talking about, it was a divorce from the engagement to one another. Now, Joseph was in this kind of a betrothal relationship with Mary. They were committed. They were committed by love. They were committed by family. And they were committed by contract. They were not married Uh, but they certainly were committed to each other. Now you have a a better understanding of the dilemma of Joseph. Let's read again verses 18 and 19. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When the mother Mary had been, his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, his plan was to get a divorce, but just not make a big deal about it. He had a dilemma here. Let me give you two or three parts of his dilemma. First of all, he said, I'm engaged to marry. I'm an engaged man. It's been 42 years since Jan and I were engaged, and... uh, We, if I remember correctly, we were engaged for about a year before we were married. And I wouldn't wouldn't recommend that today. I'd recommend being engaged long enough to get counseling and plan a wedding is what I would recommend. A year-long engagement or a longer engagement than that is a very long engagement. But we were engaged for about a year. I remember it was exciting, but it was also a nervous time. We were very nervous. I was very nervous. I don't know what Jan had to be nervous about. She was getting the catch of Nashville. But, uh, <clears throat> but I, was, I was very nervous. Uh, and it wasn't like it is today <clears throat> where you register for everything. Today when a couple is going to get married, they register for leaf rakes and they register for everything. I mean, absolutely everything. Back then, you only registered for china and crystal and perhaps silverware. China and crystal and silverware, and then they gave you beyond that whatever you wanted or whatever they wanted to give you. If I remember correctly, we got a lot of things from people who were giving to us as we were getting married, but we never did get all of our china, crystal, or silverware. We never did. We never got, I guess it's an eight-place setting that you should get. We never got an eight-place setting of that. And what we have gotten, has some of it has been broken over the years. And our life is very unfulfilled because we never got everything <clears throat> that we were supposed to get. <laughs> Joseph, like Randy, had the joy of being engaged to a woman that he loved. Remember what we said earlier about arranged marriages. I think back to when I asked Jan to marry me. I first asked her if it would be okay. Would it be okay if I asked your daughter to marry me? My dad didn't have a discussion with him. It was up to me to ask my future father-in-law, police officer, 
a man who collected guns. <clears throat> Literally, he did. He had, when he was alive, he had a gun collection. Jan, it was over a thousand. Nathan, there's over a thousand guns down in that room. <clears throat> Everything from pistols to Derringer's Saturday night specials. He had a tripod water cool machine gun down there. <clears throat> he had everything. And he never came out of that den. And so I went into the den of this growly bear, surrounded by weaponry. <clears throat> and I asked him if, if I could marry his daughter Jan. Pawpaw passed away. A couple of years ago, I grew to love him. He, now listen, he was just as much a growly bear when he died as he was when I went in there and, and asked her. But I, I grew to love that old growly bear. And uh, I found out at his funeral by a, another police officer that he was very pleased with our engagement and, and marriage. And I, I, he had never expressed that to me. And I, I asked the the police officer who had known him very well. I said, well, tell me about that. And he said, well, it was after y'all had already been married for a while, and uh, you were a pastor, and one day I was in his office, and I saw a picture of, of his daughter, and I said, how's she doing, and, and how's their marriage? And he paid you a high compliment. And I said, what did he say? He said, Oh, I guess she could have done a lot worse. <clears throat> I was never so blessed in my life. <clears throat> that was like winning the Heisman. I'll tell you that right now, coming from Paul Paul. Being engaged to Mary was, was a uh, no dilemma for Joseph. The dilemma was that Mary was pregnant. She was found to be with child, and the word found carries with it the element of surprise. Mary knew what had happened, but to others it was a surprise, especially to Joseph. Now let's go back to the manners and customs of the day to understand this a little bit better. After the parents negotiated contracts for the marriage of their children, the man and the woman, as we've said, were considered marriage, married. They were referred to as husband and wife. However, they did not begin living together. The woman continued to live with her parents, and the man continued to live with his parents. And it indeed was for the period of one year. And once the waiting period uh, was over, and that demonstrated, by the way, the, the faithfulness of their pledge of purity to one another, and once that waiting period was over, then they came together as husband and wife. Now, if the woman was found to be with child during this period. She was obviously not pure, but had been involved in an unfaithful sexual relationship. Therefore, the, the marriage could be annulled. If, however, the one-year waiting period demonstrated the purity of the bride and the husband, the husband would go to the house of the bride's parents, and in a grand processional, he would lead his bride back to the home of his parents where that they would begin to live together as husband and wife in the home of the husband's father. Aren't you glad that tradition changed? 
And so they went back and they would live together. Now here's the dilemma. Joseph had been faithful to his engagement vow, but it appears that Mary had not. And I'm sure that some discussion had taken place, and, and I'm sure that there was no plausible uh, explanation for why Mary was going to have a baby. And by law and by custom, Joseph could have divorced her from the engagement and put her to shame. Actually, by Jewish law, he could have said, I want her stoned for this. And she could have been taken outside of the town or the living area, and they could have stoned Mary, the mother of Jesus, because she was with child during a time when she and Joseph were considered marriage, but it was the engagement period where they had not come together as husband and wife. Joseph had a dilemma. I'm engaged to Mary. That was no dilemma. He was happy about that. Mary is pregnant. Now, that's the dilemma. For some who maybe didn't care about their engagement, it wouldn't be a dilemma. They would just say to the elders of the city, go ahead and take her out and stone her. I'll find somebody else. But here's the real crux of his dilemma. I really love her, Joseph said. He did feel that the marriage had been called off. That's why he was willing to divorce her privately. He felt like we can't go forward with this. But he didn't want to hurt her more than that in itself was going to hurt her. And so his decision was to kind of handle it quietly out of court, so to speak. Not bring any attention to the fact that, that Mary had not been faithful to their, to their marriage vows. But before he could act on his decision, there came a dream. And Joseph's dream changed everything about the story. There's so many key factors along the way that made necessary adjustments. And here's a, a key factor right from the hand of God. He gave Joseph a dream. There have been a lot of famous dreams in this world. Martin Luther King, his most famous speech was, I have a dream given on August the 28th. 1963, from the steps of the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. It's probably one of the most significant speeches of the 20th century. It changed a lot. It changed almost everything. It changed the conversation in America. It changed the conversation in city halls. It changed almost everything. Whether or not you were a fan of Martin Luther King Jr., you cannot deny that his powerful speech that day changed the world. And as great as Dr. King's dream was, Joseph had a dream that was have far more impact than Dr. King's dream. The impact of Joseph's dream was that it would change all of history and all of time and all of eternity. It was huge. His dream started with a visit from an angel of the Lord. 
Matthew 1 and verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. I don't know if, if you've ever had a, an encounter with God like this or a, maybe a, a dream about the Lord or a dream of spiritual things. I've had spiritual dreams along the way. Uh, actually, a few weeks ago, I had a, a dream about uh, the ushering in of, uh, of the Antichrist and, and the, the, uh, the rapture time. I had a, a dream about that. I, I won't go all into it, but I found myself at one point just before the rapture at uh, Thomas Road Baptist Church in Lynchburg, Virginia, standing before the crowd of Liberty University, University telling them that the Antichrist was about to be revealed. Then the rapture came, and uh, that was the end of my dream, thankfully. Sometimes we have encounters with the Lord. If you have an encounter with the Lord, you're going to know it. You're going to know when you've encountered God. I can go back to specific times in my life when I encountered God, and I knew that I had encountered God. I knew that I had encountered God the night that he called me to preach. There's no question that I had encountered God. I knew that I had encountered God one time in my car uh, at the airport in Nashville, Tennessee. I knew that I had encountered God. There was no question. It wasn't a what in the world am I doing kind of a thing. It was I had encountered God. And other times, God has made himself evident in my life and evident to me encountering God. An encounter like Joseph had is really different from all other encounters that we're told to be aware of in our daily lives. Hebrews 13, 2 says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby <coughs> some have entertained angels unaware. You may have encountered God and not known about it, or at least encountered one of his angels and not known about it. Now, this isn't a message about angels, and this isn't a message about encounters and all that kind of thing, but I will tell you this. That verse right there and the reality that we do encounter God should cause all of us to be less dismissive with the people that we encounter. When you dismiss someone, you may be dismissing someone who was sent to there to represent God in your life. For many reasons, we have to be mindful of the encounters of our lives. The visit to Joseph, however, wasn't one of those encounters. The visit with Joseph was a dream of purpose. And the purpose of Joseph's dream was assurance from the Lord. Verse 20 of our text, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. In a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, this unnamed angel, and it's, we know that Gabriel was the one who delivered the message of Elizabeth having a baby, and Gabriel was the one who delivered the message of Mary having the baby, but this angel isn't named. It could have been Gabriel. I don't know. But this is an unnamed angel. And he had 
Joseph pegged perfectly because Joseph really was afraid to take her as his wife. Joseph said, I'm going to take a situation here that is going to be a forever issue. He loved her, but he must have felt that he really didn't know her, certainly not if she was willing to become pregnant during the time of purity and devotion. I just don't know you. Who are you? Who is this woman that I think I'm supposed to marry? I don't really know you. The angel came to Joseph to lay aside any fears that he was having. Not only would it be okay for Joseph to go forward with the engagement and the marriage, but in fact, the baby that that, uh, Mary was going to have would be the greatest miracle the earth had ever known. The Holy Spirit, God himself, had placed within Mary a sinless child. God had done that. This conception was not the result of adultery. It was the result of God placing his hand on Mary and touching her to be the mother of his only begotten son. This assurance was God's affirmation from the Lord to Joseph. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The child Mary carried in her womb was a unique child. He would be a son whom Joseph would name Jesus. It's great, isn't it? Joseph got to say his name is going to be Jesus. He would save the world from their sins, and these words must have brought Joseph's mind to the promises of God to provide salvation through the new covenant. And Joseph understood that the child Mary would would bear and uh, would bear a son that he would have the privilege of raising the promised Messiah. Joseph knew this. And now the matter was settled. Joseph would no longer concern himself with what people would say. Not If they say something about it, it's okay. I know something they don't know. He was confident in Mary and, and privileged to be the man chosen to raise the Messiah from childhood. Nothing much needs to be said of Joseph. The fact that God chose Mary and Joseph too says a whole lot. That brings us to the final part of the message, and that is Joseph's destiny. Verse 22 says, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. A few weeks ago, uh, former President George W. Bush was on the Jay Leno uh, show, and Leno asked him something along the lines of whether or not he was concerned about his legacy as as president. And here's what uh, George W. Bush said. They're still writing books about the first president. It'll be a while before they get around to me. Joseph now has the legacy as the earthly father of Jesus. Next Sunday, I'm going to share something with you about Joseph. In the 
Christmas miracle. I'm going to share with you Joseph's reward. Joseph had a wonderful, magnificent reward that a lot of us forget about. What about his legacy? Well, first of all, he had a place in prophecy. The unnamed angel told Joseph that all of what he was experiencing was in keeping with God's eternal plan. The prophet Isaiah had declared 700 years before the virgin, the, uh, b- uh, before that a virgin would be, uh, give birth to a child, and this was the child, and Joseph would be the daddy. Isaiah 7, 14, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And by the way, just one quick word here. That which was prophesied in the Old Testament was fulfilled in the New Testament, literally, just as it was prophesied. You say, Pastor Ray, I don't understand all that stuff in Scripture about prophecy and the second coming of the Lord and, and uh, uh, the rapture and, and all those kinds of things. How am I supposed to interpret that? Well, you're not. You're supposed to read it and believe it. Isaiah said there's going to be a virgin that will give a child. Well, now, how is that going to work out? Well, it worked out just like this. Literally, it worked out. Joseph's destiny was to be a, a section of the road in prophecy, bringing to earth Israel's Messiah and the world's Savior his place in the prophecy. He also had a place in the family. I'm confident that God chose Joseph for the same reason that he chose Mary. Joseph was pure in life and motive and in her walk with God, and I'm sure that Joseph was the same. He would not be the birth father of Jesus, but he would be daddy to Jesus. He would be the leader, the example that Jesus would look to. I've got two little grandsons. One of them sitting in this service. He sang with the kids a while ago. I just tell you what, whatever his daddy wears, he wants to wear. Whatever his daddy does, he wants to do. His daddy's a duck hunter, so he wants camouflage so he can go duck hunting. That's the way Joseph would be to Jesus. Jesus would look to Joseph. He would be daddy to the Messiah. Joseph's destiny had a place in prophecy and had a place in family, and finally he had a place in history. It's wonderful to have a place in history. It's wonderful to be, to be part of something that's historical. We have people in this room right now. Tallahassee is a funny little town. It's not really a huge city, but it's not just a wide place in the road. It ends up that Tallahassee is one of the most influential cities in the world. Tallahassee is the capital city of one of the largest economies in the world. You took the state of Florida's economy and matched it up against whole governments of countries, we would outstrip most of the countries of the world just as a state of Florida. 
And it all takes place right here in Tallahassee. And some of you, many of you in fact, have been an influential part of what goes on in the state of Florida, which in turn affects the nation, which in turn affects the world. Some of you have those state jobs. Sometimes you see it as just a state job, but you need to go back to that state job and understand that you're a link in a chain that literally has the capability and the capacity to influence the world. Some of you have a, and have had a place in history in Tallahassee. Joseph certainly had a a place in history. He doesn't make very many appearances in the Bible, but he doesn't have to. Joseph believed the angel and he supported Mary in her time. And the baby was indeed born and his presence was indeed felt. And the baby born to Mary, raised by Joseph, was the way, the truth, and the life. And, and he would be and still is the only way to heaven. And he was a man who lived a sinless life and crucified and buried and rose again the third day and ascended to heaven. And guess what? Joseph was his daddy. Joseph's story is a powerful story. You men are daddy to somebody, many of you, maybe most of you. I was daddy to three little boys, and then they became older, and now they're men, and I'm dad to them. Not daddy anymore, I'm dad to them. It was a privilege to be dad and daddy. It's a privilege to be a grandfather. It's a privilege to have children look up to us. It's not only a privilege, it's a responsibility. Today, when you look at the reality that Joseph had the wisdom and the maturity not to go through with his impulse to divorce Mary, but he stayed with her and became daddy to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, maybe it would cause some of us to look at our responsibility differently. You've been listening to the Family Bible Hour, a broadcast ministry of North Florida Baptist Church in Tallahassee, Florida, with your speaker, Dr. Randy Ray. You can visit us at North Florida Baptist Church, 3000 North Meridian Road, Tallahassee, Florida, 32312. Visit us online at nflchurch.com. Dr. Ray invites you to join him next week for the Family Bible Hour.